You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. Well, we're at the uh, Western Hunting and Conservation Expo uh, 2018 here in Salt Lake City. I'm McCade Cox. To my left, we've got Mark Smith, the Muley Slayer. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm Ian Duclos. And I'm Zach Mikesell, part of Sun Outdoors as well. So uh, I came to uh, know about Mark a couple years ago just following social media. was really intrigued by this guy that called himself the Muley Slayer. And uh, a quick parouse of his videos or of his pictures on on social media, it was apparent why uh, you had that nickname. I have a passion for mule deer, bow hunting mule deer. I can say I don't have a passion for hunting giant mule deer because I don't have any. <laughs> but I have a passion for hunting mule deer. I have a passion for mule deer. Period. Uh, mule deer habitat, mule deer country, mm-hmm. anything to do with them. They're just one of those animals that intrigue me. I have since the first time I laid eyes on one in 1994, and. Uh, they're just my deal. Well, I shot a bunch of them. You know, we're going to do a, I think we're going to talk about my history a little yes. bit. But I, when I started off hunting mule deer, I started off in the Four Corners area where I could hunt four states. Yeah. New Mexico, oh, wow. Utah, Colorado, and uh, sometimes the Navajo hunting or Navajo Indian Reservation. So I'd end up with five tags in September. And back then I had two kids in school, you know, little kids and three kids uh, with Mari there. And so I was always about putting meat in the freezer. So when I went hunting back in those days, this is prior to being sponsored or any of that. I'm just mm-hmm. going to put meat in the freezer every year. So when I started whacking them and stacking them, Jeremy Duggar, I think, may have even been the person to come up with it. That's my best friend, my mule deer hunting buddy. Yeah. And he had walked in and say, Slayer, what's up? You know, I'd come <laughs> in the store, and then that kind of turned into Muley Slayer. And, man, to be honest with you, when I started my Muley Slayer brand, I don't want to be too corny or cheesy or nothing, dude, but I was sitting on my bed one day just sitting there thinking of, who I was, what am I doing here yeah. in this hunting industry and everything, you know. And it was as simple as if God sat down on the bed and just said, hey, I want you to create a Facebook page and call it Muley Slayer. It was just that simple, man. <laughs> and I just sat down on my phone and created it from my phone, went Easy straight enough. to Amazon or uh, online and bought the trade name, bought the website. I don't even have it anymore. It expired. I don't even... <laughs> now with social media, you don't need a face. You, you don't, don't need, need that anymore. Right. So... Muley Slayer, for a person that's as, as involved, Muley Slayer says killing mule deer, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm all, I'm everything but killing mule deer. I'm a for everything. <laughs> you know, I love hunting them and everything. But when I was, I'm 47. When I was 27, I wanted to know everything I could about killing a deer. At 47, it's all about how can I save a deer? That's how mm-hmm. can I do something for those deer, right? So there's a muley slayer doesn't mean anything to do with blood sport. It's all about 100% conservation, conservation efforts, herd management, shooting the right deer, doing the right things. Bow, gun, muzzleloader, it doesn't matter. But right. I'm mainly known, yeah, for bow hunting. So that's a caveat into some of this other stuff. But. Yeah, perfect. Um, where were you born and raised? I was born in Longview, Texas, 1970. Uh, my mom and dad were in high school together, and I think they were very young, man. <laughs> my father was a senior. My mother was a sophomore. 
right? mm. like 15, man, like 10th grade. Wow. And uh, I got to fooling around, and here comes Mark on the way. They get married, and, and unfortunately it didn't work out. They were too young. And yeah, so they, um, my dad and my mom, it just didn't work out, and my mom moved on. She, has, she When I was five years old, she married my stepdad, salt of the earth. Bill Catherall, he's been my father since I was five years old, mm-hmm. uh, close to that. Uh, that's where she met him, but they got married a little later. My dad was in and out of the picture. Um, my dad had some unfortunate experiences as a young kid. He got hit by a car when he was only like nine years old. And at a very young age in the 50s, in the 60s, in the late 50s, he got addicted to uh, painkillers. Uh, and man. he was the oldest child. My grandmother, you know, was an enabler. And so... Unfortunately, my father created a drug habit at just soon after being an adult, and that's pretty raw. It's easy to yeah. talk about. I love him, and he's, he's gone on. He, at 58, he ended up passing away due to bad circumstances, but my mom's been in a relationship with my stepdad for 40 years. Awesome family life there. But going back, uh, my parents, I felt very comfortable with my great-grandmother and my great-aunt. So I guess... According to my mom, I'd raise Cain and throw a fit when they would try to get me to leave. So she moved off to Houston, to Baytown, mm-hmm. lived with my little brother and my dad, my stepdad and my mom. They all had their own life down in South Texas. I stayed in North Texas or in Longview until I was 12 and uh, was raised by my great-grandmother and my great-aunt. And uh, through them, you know, imagine being born in 1970, being raised by a lady born in 1900. My grandma was born in 1900. She was 70 wow. when I was born, and she lived to be 96. And her and my great aunt, which my great aunt Eva Young, became my mother, father, brother, everything I needed in one person. Mm-hmm. And she passed away uh, in 2010 or something. And uh, so uh, Eva had a son, Tommy Young, and he. I did the podcast yesterday. I did an interview with him. I got to interview my guy. They let me use this space to interview my hunting idol and hero, but he was my idol as a man. Yeah. And if I had a big brother, it'd be Tommy Young. And uh, he set the standard. So as my aunt's raising me, her only standard to work off of is Tommy Young. So Tommy was this Christian man, father man, owned his own business. He set the example of American dream for me. And he was just a badass bow hunter. He was a badass fisherman. And he was just a total badass, if I can say that. Yeah. And so I watched him as a little kid going, that's where I want to be when I grow up. I'm sitting here today, and he's here in the crowd somewhere. He's one of my best hunting partners. And now that I've come back to Texas, uh, you know, I left Texas. So there's another piece right. of this. I, so you I went to born, Colorado, right? Yeah, I lived in Long. I was born in Longview. Well, I, then, and then that was my story, watching Tommy. And that's who got me into bow hunting. And or he didn't get me into nothing. I just watched him. And mm-hmm. then when I was 13, one day I said, I want to be a bow hunter like Tommy Young. And I went and saved lawn mowing money and lunch money and chore money and bought myself my first bow. And I was self-taught and uh, bow hunted for 10 years before I killed him with a bow. So anyway, born in Longview and then got life come along. And I moved down to Houston. That's where I met Sean here and uh, grew up down there. And then when I was... 24, I had a job opportunity to go to El Paso, Texas. And El Paso, Texas has, you're on an island, man. There's no animals. There's a desert with a mountain. But if you want to hunt, you got to go way into Texas, but it's right. closer to go into New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Well, I went into New Mexico. I went to New Mexico on a service call. I was running a service for a refrigeration company. That was my day job. And I did some research and found out that I could go hunt 
in New Mexico. And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. So I hired a guy, an outfitter. It's an old guy. And he saw us coming, man. I'm like 24 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. This guy, Sean, comes down. Me and Sean and my brother-in-law, David, we all go pay this guy 150 bucks a day to bounce us around the National Forest in the back of the truck. <laughs> Literally sitting on coolers with knocked arrows, man, looking for a mule deer. And he said, that's how it's done. And we thought that's how it was done. And uh, had a great experience, but I left that experience going, I can do this on my own. I, I don't need to pay someone to do this. Yes. This is National Forest. I'd never even heard of National Forest, you know. So the next year... I took a job transfer again, and I moved to the Four Corners area. And that's where my life changed big time. That's where I met Jeremy Duggar. That's where I started shooting for uh, his shop. And that was in the heart of Mule Deer Mecca. And Jeremy Duggar is a Mule Deer guru. So a lot of things happened for me right in that little part of my life in New Mexico. So that's – I'd go out and I'd shoot 3D tournaments, and I'd go out and shoot some deer, and I kept pinning my pictures up on the board, and Jeremy liked me, I could tell, and I liked him, and we started hunting together, and so uh, one day he's like, hey, do you know what a co-op shooter is? I'm like, no. He's like, that's where a bow brand will sponsor you, and they'll give you a bow for like 50 off dealer cost, and we'll buy you some shirts and put your name on them and our shop name on them. You can go out and you can, and I'd seen people at shoots and I'm like, are those pros? Is that, would right. I be a pro? He goes, no, no, no. You'd be a pro later, but you represent this shop at a local level. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Well, I lived in an area where archery was a good archery area, but we had a lot of great target shooters. I didn't have to apply very much effort to be the man to beat. And I, and I, I, I didn't apply much effort, but I learned and I went, and I was serious about it. It wasn't just about shooting 12s and drinking beer and having fun. I went out and tried. Well, I got really – it was a natural talent for me. I was really good at shooting 3D, especially in the pin division. With the bow hunting setup, mm-hmm. I could go out and post scores with a pin setup at those local shoots that were almost national-level scope shooter scores. You know, it was just it was a natural ability, and I loved it, and I missed those days. And I, long story short, I eventually went pro, but if I could go back – I, I love the experience of having been a pro for a while, but once you put that pro tag on your shirt, you never lose the pro stigma. Because if you have the wisdom and the experience of being a pro, you can never go back. You just right. I can never show up with a Hoyt shirt on and go shoot in the pin division again and be taken serious because then I'm just a cherry picker. But those were absolutely the best days of my life in shooting was when I was in the pin division out shooting 3D targets with just pin shooters. I love that, and I miss that. And I'm actually going to do more of that this year. Uh, I'm going to go to the Texas ASA and shoot a lot of the shoots with Sean because he's serious, and his son's phenomenal, and I'm going to do that. But I'm just going to sign up as a guest. He's not even a non-member. I'll, I'll get their membership because I support their organization. But I'm going to shoot in the fun division and just go shoot pins and wear my stuff and have yeah. a good time and do it because I love that. That's what it's yeah. all about. And you so that's passion. where that's how I came into the pro stigma of being a pro shooter and i competed at the national level but i never competed i mean that's their day job i might they might say (laughs) mark smith factory pro staff and i might go shoot from the pro stakes my scores never reflected that because i was a big fish in a little pond but you go to the big lake i was just another dude man you know i was good but i wasn't beating i wasn't beating chance or levi or jeff or randy or those guys (laughs) but i was they know me it was good it was good for me for my growth yeah but more than it taught me who i was it taught me who i wasn't and and that's their they, that's their passion, man. But me, mule deer, are my passion, and I'm gonna and I use that practice, that competitive edge. I use that to make me better at those pressured up shots. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're covering 
just a ton of stuff. Everything. I think we're all over the place, man. <laughs> Mark, okay. I, Mark, I do have a question, yeah, though, for you. Yeah, let's go questions, yeah. So, within the pro realm of everything, shooting and everything, are there a lot of guys that actually don't hunt animals? All they do is shoot? I think there might be a handful there? of maybe target shooters. Yeah. But those ASA shooters and IBO shooters are freaking hunting machines, man. Are they? Okay. Their true passion, they got into it just like I did. They want to go shoot 3Ds to get better. Okay. Then they realized they had a natural talent, but they either their circumstances allowed them to make it their day job, um, and they're good at it. Now, guys like Dan McCarthy, Levi Morgan, Randy Ulmer back in the day, Jeff Hopkins, you ask any of those guys, you know, do you is, is hunting supplemental to 3D? No, 3D pays the bills, but on any given day, if I could wake up and go be anywhere, it's in a tree stand or on a mountain. That's their passion. They're good hunters. They're really good hunters. Yeah, because I've always wondered that. You know, there's a difference between shooting a 3D, 3D target and then stalking a live animal. No. And so I've always wanted to know they're awesome at shooting and hitting their target, but are they good at getting close to their targets? Do they get out enough and practice enough and stalk enough? To be considered not only a professional shooter, but a professional just watch, hunter. Just watch Levi Morgan's TV program. The passion for his hunting. Yeah. And he gives tips. He's the best shooter. He's the best 3D shooter that's ever, in my opinion, drawn a breath of air. And he's he's the best there is. Any given day, man, he'd much rather be on the mountain. But he's, he, does the, he does the food plots. He does all that stuff. He does everything that he can to make himself a better hunter. And he That's works awesome. hard at it. But he is still a phenomenal shooter, but he's been doing it. Yeah. I remember seeing him at Cabela's shoots when he was in the peewee divisions and stuff, you know, a <laughs> little kid, and he's now he's he's the man, you know. So seeing that, and, and so they're, no, they're, their passion, number one, is hunting for the most part, especially the 3D world and the 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 the, the, the 3D just pays the bills. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, Mark, as a guy that grew up in Texas, I'm assuming you hunted whitetails yes. mostly as you, in your younger years. And you said you, you moved to the Four Corners area. That changed your life. I'm assuming that's when you started hunting mule deer? Yes. So how how was it for you adapting and learning how to hunt mule deer versus whitetails? I, tr- I killed my first mule deer out of a tree stand in New Mexico. That seems fitting for a whitetail guy. Uh, when I was on my 25th birthday, I took Travis, my little son. He was only maybe like four or five years old. And I, after work one day, season was coming up. And I, every morning I'd drive up to Durango, Colorado to run service calls. Right at daylight, mm-hmm. I'd see bucks run off across the road. And they were coming off of these alfalfa fields. Uh, it was called Ruins Road in New Mexico, Aztec, New Mexico. And this, this is a good story. My first mule deer is a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so every morning going to work, bucks would come out of this field across Ruins Road, go up on public land to bed down the canyons all day. At dark, I'd be coming home from work, and I'd see those same bucks sometimes come out of the public land, go across the road. So I started doing my research, and uh, Jeremy Duggar, being the trophy hunter that he is, and he, you know, I went in there, I was just a customer back then, asking where can I go kill a mule deer. He gave me the generic answer. Oh, a lot of guys hunt at Ruin Road. Oh, you can kill one up there. Well, that's like saying, you know, where's a good fishing spot? Under the bridge. You know, just <laughs> go over there. It's good. Well, that's where he sends everybody. Come yeah. to find out. And everybody Jeremy ever sent there never killed a deer there. I went over there and killed a deer. And I bring it into his shop. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me, man? You seriously, what? You killed one over there? Like, yeah, I killed one over there. He's like, man, I can't believe it. How'd you do it? I was like, 
well, I went over there and I told them the story about seeing the deer. So I went over there on my birthday right before season, started following all their tracks coming through a little drainage coming across, you know, where they crossed the road, went under a fence and up this drainage, just followed their tracks. And right where their tracks were, I got the wind right using whitetail tactics. I took some two by fours and a piece of plywood, climbed up in a cedar tree, used my Makita from my, my surface <laughs> van, screwed boards in this tree, put a platform on it, climbed up there, and man, I hunted. I had a few come by. They seemed to always smell me. And then uh, somewhere around the 16th, getting toward the end of the September season, one morning I'm sitting there kind of drifted off into one, you know, looking off up the hill. I'm in this canyon in a tree. I killed my first mule deer from a tree stand that I made out of wood, and I shot the deer above me. I shot the deer up here. you imagine that? (laughs) So I'm sitting in this tree stand. I'm watching this hill that I'm thinking they're going to come up, right? They're going to come out of the bottom and go this way. I'm sitting there, I hear a rock click, and I look, and coming right at me, right there is big four point coming. I'm like, oh, man. So I grab my bow, 80-pound old PSE bow with an overdraw. My arrows were only that long back then, about that big around. I was shooting 24-13s <laughs> with 100-grain thunderheads, 80-pound PSE. And that buck's coming, and, I, and the next one's coming, the next one's coming, and I didn't even care about size, as long as they got antlers, you know. Last one to come, well, they smell me, the wind swirl or something. All those bucks scattered, and one of them ran back, a forked horn, real tall forky. That thing come running back, and I drew back, and I went, I don't know, third, I had my sight, I had a sight master, a movable, back then, old plastic movable sight, and I, that trail was about 30 yards, and so I just had it set for 30 yards, and that deer took off running, stodding, and I drew back, put it out in front of him, pulled the trigger, phoom, hammered him, shot him right through the shoulders, <laughs> and that 80-pounder about took him off his feet, he stumbled around over there for a minute, yeah, I got one. That was how I killed my first mule deer, but I was shooting like this above me out of a tree stand at a running deer. That's got epic all over. That is and that, awesome. I just felt I just felt so fortunate to, to have gotten that deer, and then uh, from there, man, just my my passion grew and just uh, lit a fire. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanted a big one or a bigger one, and I and I went on a forked horn slaying fest there for about three years, man. And then in uh, Another good story, since the man standing here, 1998, I was my first year being sponsored 20 years ago. I was shooting for Hoyt. Sean wanted to come out. I'd gotten some uh, a good hookup to hunt some good land there in Colorado. and Sean came out, and over a weekend of, over a span of three weekends, three straight Saturdays in a row, I'll never forget because they put me on the front page of the outdoor section. And it said, two busy weeks, local hunter racks up impressive numbers. But in three separate Saturdays, I killed three mule deer bucks and a bull elk. My first elk with a bow and arrow, and he was, he was with me. And so uh, I killed a... That's impressive. I killed a 24-inch yeah. uh, three-point opening day of season with my bow in Colorado. Then the next Saturday in New Mexico, I killed a forked horn. Then the next week... He came in the first. He wasn't off the plane. Twenty minutes. We ran out into the woods, and I'd been on hunts before, not gotten anything. I mean, the, the first place we go, there's two bucks standing out there in the South Alpha field. He says, "What should I do?" I said, "Kill it, kill it." He's like, "But I just got here. Like, I just <laughs> landed." I said, "Kill it. We'll go buy an elk tag because I don't know if you're going to see one. I, know, I just don't know." Man, he makes the most beautiful 45 yard shot. Did we even have a rangefinder? I had one of those. Oh, I had a. Uh, I had a bush nail, like, <laughs> 45 yards. I, he dials his side up. Boom, whack, kills his forked horn. We get him. Big old mole on its face. Big old ugly deer is awesome. <laughs> he got it. Then uh, I think the next day, a day or two later, uh, we go over to the Navajo. I got a tag. Wham, I kill a 4 by 3 buck over there, bedded down. The thing was 71 yards bedded, and me and him are walking. 
through the woods. And we're out in this kind of this edge of this meadow, and it's down in this, the uh, oak brush. There's two bucks just bedded down there. And I kept showing them. Did you ever see them until I shot? I'm like, they're right there. If we had a video camera, it would have been epic if you'd have seen them. But they were bedded down, and I ranged them 71 yards, drew back, shot. And I was just shooting fixed pins then. Yeah. I didn't have a sight master. And I shot that deer in the shoulder, and it angled up into his spine, just rolled him over dead in his feet. And I remember his feet just coming up in the air, and he goes, oh, I see him now. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. So killed that buck on a Sunday. And the next day on a Monday that evening, we went down, and there's elk tracks and mud all around this pond. And I'd put a tree stand in that pond. I said, Sean, you set the tree stand. I'm just going to go off in the woods and call or something. And so he gets in the tree stand. I go off in the woods, and it's getting dark. My first elk with a bow. My third elk, my first one with a bow. The other two I'd kill with a muzzleloader. And uh, I started uh, bugling. And I wasn't very good. I had an old uh, Wayne Carlton tube and a reed, and I'm hooting on it. And I looking this way because the sun's setting over here. And I hear, shoo, 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 shoo. I turn and look, there's a four-point bull rubbing a tree just right here at 70 yards. Ranged him. He ran 40 yards, falls over dead. I was like, golly. So I come back, and he's like, I come back too early, I think, or something. He's like, don't even tell me. I was like, yeah. So that's when his wife started saying, no matter where y'all go, don't ever leave Mark's side because I can't tell you how many times I'll put Sean in the best spot, go goofing off and kill something. And, and it's I'm sincerely trying for him to have the best spot. Right. He was still living in Texas, and he would come hunt with me out west so that was i just told you about my first mule deer my first year being sponsored my first elk hunting with my best friend what else you want to know man what, what, what you got for me there's got to be something else in there i would say that's probably your most <laughs> epic hunting trip combined like <laughs> the few weeks there yeah well i was Jeez. a man on a mission and i did yeah. a lot of homework and it meant a lot to me mm-hmm. and it still means a lot to me if you're willing to give me product and say hey you represent my brand and i got your name Right here on my shirt, like Hoyt or Badlands or Weatherby, I'm gonna give you a hundred. I'm gonna give you a hundred percent. I'm gonna give you all I got. And that year, man, I I went out and they're like, "Good job, man." And every year that I've ever been, did it finally die? Okay. Every year that I've ever been sponsored, I uh, I give it that I give it that all, man, because. I think I said in my seminar, everything you see, it's it's easy to give away a jug of of Mountain Ops. It's easy to give away a T-shirt. That costs somebody something somewhere. Right, right, right. You know, there's so many people in our industry. Nothing that, is free in that this think, world. That think, you know, they're wanting the gravy train. You know, they, they're entitlement. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I killed a big buck. Yeah. Therefore, you should give me a free bow. There are more good dudes out there killing giant bucks that they wouldn't take a free bow because they want to shoot their. Justin Finch, for example. You know Justin? Yeah. I don't know him. I don't know anything about Honor Justin Finch. I, I think he's a Christian. <laughs> And I think he's a good person, but you know what I love about Justin Finch? And this is all I know about that guy. He's shooting like a seven, eight, nine, ten year old Matthews bow, and he shoots that thing like, you know, a man that shoots one weapon well. It broke my heart when he announced on social media when he killed that last mule yeah. deer the other day. He was retiring, he's retiring the bow. after that. And I'm like, Well, <laughs> what are you gonna shoot, man? <laughs> yeah. Like what's he gonna do you even has he announced what he's gonna shoot? Right. Has he or no? I don't know. I I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. But I thought that was one of the coolest things that that guy, he don't need your money. Right. He don't need your bow. And if you if he, if you see him shooting somebody else's, I'm just going to have to believe he believes it's a better product. Yeah. That's what it's all about right there. I don't know him, and, and I hope that doesn't embarrass him. But, man, I, I admire that about him. And it made me – so when my deal with Elite, you know, I left Hoyt. I went mm-hmm. to Elite. When that expired, 
Uh, it wasn't the best circumstance. It wasn't the best move for me, I learned. And I live and learn. I built my back on the name of another brand, Hoyt. And that's the I love Hoyt. And I went and talked to him. And we've, we've, we've mended our situation. And we're buddies again. And everything's beautiful, man. But I could have called anybody I wanted just from my status in the industry and had a bow in my hand. I just mm-hmm. went through all that. My heart was in Hoyt. That's where I wanted mm-hmm. to be. I'd lost my joy in bow hunting, honestly. That's why I've been picking up rifles again. I just My joy in bow hunting was gone. Really? Uh, yeah. It was different. And so I called up Jeremy Duggard, expert archery. I said, here's my credit card number. I want a buckskin carbon defiant 34. If you can give me a break, do. If not, charge me full retail. I don't care. Here's my Cabela's visa, and let's do it. He ships me a bow. I plan on shooting that thing like Justin Finch did. I plan on shooting that till the wheels fall off of it um, or until Hoyt decides they just got to have me back. <laughs> and that's just what I'm going to do. But. I think that's truly admirable. You know, I think a lot, especially in the last, I don't know what, five, six, ten years, the, since social media has become a, a big thing, yeah. that it's all about who you can impress and how you can impress them instead of what you f- truly believe in and like who you are. I think a lot of people would sell their souls, yeah, they you know, it's pathetic. just, just to gain an inch. Mm-hmm. And that is sad. And I, I listened to some past podcasts and kind of heard that story from you. And I just, I just think that's truly admirable. You know, you, it's a product you firmly believe in and I'd rather human. go, I'd rather go buy and use what I want that I believe in than something to give to me. Right. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as I met Adam Weatherby, I knew he was my kind of people. As soon as I got introduced to him, we created a friendship, a family, American brand, a brand I believe in. I love. I mean, I know they're expensive, but, man, mm-hmm. they're made in America, especially the Mark Fives. Right. I become friends with them, and I start posting on social media using Weatherby Firearms. It opened up so many opportunities, and, man, the gun deal started coming. We'd like to see you shoot our rifle. And I said, I don't even know who you are. I don't know you, and the ones I did know, I'm like, man, you've sold to a big conglomerate. You have no quality control. Bolts are falling off. Bolt handles are falling off of your bolts. I hear the stories all the time. I went to Walmart the other day and picked up one of your rifles, and, man, it was embarrassing. If that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. But I probably struck a nerve, and you probably needed to hear that. You ain't terrible grammar. You're never going to pick up a Weatherby Mark V and the bolt handle fall off of it. It's just not going to happen. I don't want to be on a once-in-a-lifetime mountain goat hunt with my Mark V FDE Outfitter 65-300 Magnum mm-hmm. and get ready to square off on this big sheep and goat and shoot it and have something wrong with my gun or my bow or anything. Things are going to happen. It's not a perfect world. But you got to use what you believe in. Mm-hmm. I believe in those people. I believe in the family. And I believe in their products. And I turn down better deals you know what i mean mm-hmm. like my 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 personal relationship with weatherby it is what it is it's my business but i had people offer me more than what weatherby but just because i don't know you or believe in your I, it's about the relationship i'll tell you this about the, the industry young folks wanting to get in the industry your relationship with any brand is only as good as your relationship with your person at that brand so there's a reason why I'm friends with Adam Weatherby, not the, not the marketing director, not their key advertising guy, or whatever, because those folks can change, and they're probably going to change. They're moving to Wyoming. That could change. Mm-hmm. But as long as I'm out there preaching to Weatherby, I'm, I'm, flo- I'm, I'm flying their flags, and I'm staying in front of Adam, and I'm staying true and honest and ethical and legal and moral and, do, and representing that family 
Because when you put on a Weatherby hat, you know that's his. That's not a brand. That's his fan. That's his grandpa's name, right? right? It means a lot to him. It means a lot to me. So, if I go out there and I and I can and, and I'm representing that brand, and I'm doing that for him. And if people under that change, well, that next marketing guy is going to bring his crew. It's happened to me. It's part of what happened at Hoyt. Yeah. When the marketing guy changes, the new marketing guy got his new crew, new young guys, his age. Bring that new face in. Not that it necessarily did anything to me, but it makes people like me feel like we got left behind. Well, what about me, man? The last 20 years, you built your brand on my back a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm building my name on your back. It's got to be 50, 100, 100, right? right. It's, it's a two-way street. It's got to be both ways. But if you bring in new people and they're getting more and better and whatever, what I've learned is I don't care what you get. I've finally learned to sit back and go, I don't care what you get. I don't care what you get. I don't care what anybody else... I know you. You know me. This is what I ask for. This is what I do for you. All my focus is on is that relationship and what I can do and what I'm going to say I'm going to do for you. But what happens is the green-eyed monster, oh, man, I've been with him for 10 years and only getting one free bow. This new guy signed on. He's been on Instagram the other day. He's getting three bows. He got a contract. I didn't get my contract. I haven't had a contract in five years. That's so petty. That's not what built Muley Slayer. That's not what got me to the dance. That's not got me where I'm at. So going forward, I had a learning moment. I don't care what anybody else gets. I'm only going to care about what I'm getting with my relationship with these people. And so if you build a relationship with a brand and you're trying to get sponsored, and and do, because if you're doing it for the right reasons, go get sponsored and do the best job you can for that company. Do it for the right reasons. But, man, maintain your relationships. Pick that phone up. And there's, I'm old school. I believe in texting and Instagramming and messaging. Nothing is more valuable than a voice-to-voice phone call. When you want to have a sincere conversation about, I am a little unhappy with my deal, or I'm unhappy with this bow I just got. It's not meeting the standard that I'm used to from your brand or your rifle or your cartridges. Don't blow them up on social media to make them look bad. Think you're going to. That'll never get you anywhere. Nothing. It'll get <laughs> you nothing but far away from where you want to be as exactly. possible. How many times do you see somebody say something negative and you know, you look at that and go, that didn't do you any favors, man. Yeah. Every day, right? It's easier yeah. to see from the outside looking in yeah. sometimes so, than it is when it's we'll you're personally this, involved. We can jump off the soapbox. <laughs> young people listen to that. That's, no, I, I think that's important because I, I think it that's a, a great motto and, and a way of of living just in life, not not as far as just hunting goes, but that it, you know, in all aspects of your life, from your your job to your family, yeah, having integrity. That's really what it's all about. Yeah. That word right there is epic is overused and integrity <laughs> is underused, right? Yeah, for sure. Man, I wish people should be hashtag integrity on everything. When you see somebody Let's do, do something good, just start doing it. Just hashtag integrity, man. Let's just start doing it. Hey, mall hat <laughs> took off last year. Do you remember mall hat? Were you in my seminar? We talked about mall hats. Yeah. Yeah, that took off. You see hashtag mall hats all the mall time. Hat. You boys don't have stickers on them hats, do you? All right. All right. Hashtag integrity. <laughs> hashtag well, integrity. Speaking, talking about relationships with people and talking about selecting a hunting partner. Yes. Right? Perfect. I mean, trying to set up and find somebody that you have that relationship with. What's What are the things that you look for in an actual hunting partner? Were you in the seminar a while ago? Did you set in? Not me. I was, I was at work, unable okay. to make it. But. I'm going to repeat what I said in there. I was pretty good about hunting partners. Hunting partners. All right. I got. I married my wife at 18. All right. Been married since 30 years. Since I was 18 years old. The one thing me and my wife have is a hundred to hundred relationship. It's not 50-50. Your 50% my 50% between two people doesn't make 200, right? right. It's, two, it's two people. I got to give you a hundred percent. You got to give me a hundred percent for it to really work. People try to go 50-50. Well, there's too much selfishness in 50-50. It means I'm keeping half for myself. 
that's okay too, right? But being married 30 years, what I've learned in relationships is my wife is my number one priority. When I wake up every day, I want to make sure that woman has everything she needs to have the best day of her life. I want you to have the best day of your life today. My wife wants me to have the best day of my life every day. I don't. My wife don't work. She hasn't worked in, in a while. <laughs> that is years. awesome. My wife <laughs> hasn't worked in like 10 years. And so she's the backbone behind driving me. And I'm a regional director of operations. I'm a higher-end management guy. Worked my way to the top from sweeping floors to where I'm at now. Hashtag integrity. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just set a goal, kept hitting goals and doing my thing. Well, <clears throat> along the way, my wife... I don't ever worry about her fooling around. I don't have to worry about her being a floozy. I don't have to worry about her spending money without discussing it first or vice versa, right? We talk about it. Don't have secrets. If you're going to spend money, say you want it. Just say it. I want this bow. How much is it? $1,700. Whew. Well, (laughs) how are we going to get there? Well, this is my plan. We get there, we get there. We'll buy a $1,700 bow. Honesty with your partner. Caring that that person has the best day of their life. How, do, how does that go into hunting? If I know you, and I know you kind of all right. A little bit. And, and I think you're a pretty good guy. I care about you. I like you a lot. We're going to go hunting. And I just saved my pennies, and I got $2,000 in my pocket. And I'm going to meet you in Colorado, and we're going to go buy over-the-counter archery tags. We're going to go backpacking 10 miles, and we're going to go elk hunting. I'm fixing to spend... My $2,000 on gas, my tag, my food, everything I need. I'm going to go take my vacation. It's very valuable to me. My time is worth more than my money at this age. I'm going to spend my vacation. And me and you are going to go elk hunting together. And you're going to do the same thing. I, if I'm going to go into the backcountry with you for 10 days, I've got to want to see you kill an elk more than I want to kill that elk. And if I don't, I'm going to either get jealous or I'm going to be ticked off after we've hunted our asses off for five days and we got three days left and you kill a bull in the last two days, I've got to pack your elk out, right? All right. That's a hundred, a hundred. I expect you to do the same for me and I got to do the same for you. Well, I've built a name for myself in the hunting industry. If I go on a hunting trip and I don't get one and I don't have something to talk about, I don't have pictures for sponsors, I don't have meat for my freezer and I don't have stories to tell and I don't have success... That makes you a who's who in the hunting industry. I got a lot on the line. There's not a lot of people I'm honestly willing to give that up for. I'm just not. Why not be honest about that? But the people that are in that circle, I'll give them the shirt off my back. Sean Dennison, Tommy Young, Jeremy Duggar, John Hatch, Tanner Howard right there behind you. Uh, Him and uh, they gave up a day's hunting, him and Towson Jenkins two years ago. And they packed my WASAT. I didn't know them. They're camped next to me. I come into their camp. What are y'all doing the rest of the day? By the looks of it, hauling a buck out? Yes, we're going to haul a buck out. I'll, buy, I'll take you guys anywhere you want to go. I'll buy anything you want to eat. Will you help me get this buck out? Gone. All they want. And I take them to the 7-Eleven at the bottom of the hill, and Towson goes in and buys pizzas and drinks for everybody. I didn't even, you know what I'm saying? Just a good dude. Now, that guy, he just became the uh, sales manager for Gold Tip, I think. And yes. He's uh, already called me, and I've invited him when he comes on his trip to Texas. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking that guy hog hunting. We're going to kill some hogs, and I owe him one. i do anything for that guy. Picking a hunting partner, someone that's like-minded, religion plays a big part. I've made a mistake of hunting with non-Christians. For a and 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 for a Christian hunter to go hunting with an absolute non-Christian, very very painful situation. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I had to look the guy in the eye and say, "If you take the Lord's name in vain one more time, 
I'm going to kick your ass all the way back to the truck. Do you understand me? <laughs> and the guys looked at me like my hair's on fire, and I was sincere. But I'm like, I can't. It hurts my ears. I can't. I can't yeah. hear that come out of your mouth one more time, guy. I can't say anything you want, but don't say that. Now, I didn't barely, but I didn't barely know him. And but he seemed like a pretty good guy. And we went hunting, and and, and we were just two different people. But man, something like that. Day one, you're like, ha, ha, ha. Day two, like, ooh. Day three, I'm ready to kill it's you, annoying. man. I'm yeah. fixing to pull you. I'm going to cut your tongue out if you say it again. <laughs> and I told him that. And it was weird. And we didn't hunt together anymore. It was a good guy. And we, we parted ways. Went on. Learned a lesson there. Man, I've got to truly just want to sacrifice my hunt for you because I, I like you. And I care about you. And I know that you put as much into it or more than I did. And I want you to be successful. So, yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice my time so that you have your time in the sun. Vice versa. Mm-hmm. That... And if you're not willing to do that, and there's a lot of people in here that know who I am and they like me, they wouldn't give up two seconds of their time to take me on a hunting trip and give up their time to kill an elk. You know what I'm saying? I don't right. expect them to. But when you become a somebody or a who's who, they sure think you you should be willing to sacrifice time and hunts to take people hunting because, well, you've already done it. You've already succeeded. You've already killed yours. Yeah, you've, you've got established yours. yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, but, man, I'm still just a dude that likes it like you like it right. and it's passionate. And uh, that's pretty raw. And some listeners may go, man, that's I don't like this guy now because he said that. But you know what? You're my kind of people. Yeah, Mark. you're, don't, yeah. Don't, let's you're don't, right down our alley. Let's yeah. just don't go hunting then because, you know, I'm not. I, but you got to have your close family, team backcountry. I'll sacrifice anything, any time of day, whatever, for the guy. We're in their booth right now because they've done it for me, and I'll mm-hmm. do it for them. So the way I pick a hunting partner is like I pick a life partner, man. If You know, i gotta, I got to want to see you do better than me. My, so for the longest time, it was just my kids. I like that 100 and 100 thing. Yeah. I'd never heard that before. Well, that's, great. Maybe. that's a great take. I don't think I have. But. So say you had to break it down into three attributes that you look for. What are those three? In a hunting partner? In a, hunt, in a, in a partner. It could be hunting. Oh. And, <laughs> okay. Because I kind of uh, think they're one and the same. For uh, McCade's, I mean, McCade's not married or anything right now, so this could be something very useful for to... him in his personal life, Mark. So <laughs> if you want to help him out, that'd be fantastic. Number one, female. Okay, well. <laughs> For a life partner. I, I prefer men to have lady life partners. Uh, that's my choice. Uh, but in a hunting partner, my first thing when I'm gauging you, I'm looking at you, and I'm talking to you, i got to know you. Number one is faith. It's going to be number one from now on. You gotta, we got to be on the same page there. That's the most important. My relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship I have in this world and beyond. And so... If I'm going to go spend 10 days in my heaven on earth with you, we got to at least have that in common. That's number one. Number two, you've got to be in it for the right reasons. You, just, you pretty much just got to be an integrity-driven person. Right. So your faith, your integrity. integrity. And number three, I, ca- I just got to kind of like you. You got to make me laugh a little bit. <laughs> and then if, if things just get Good absolutely if they just get absolutely crappy, no, no, matter, no, matter, no matter how bad things get, if it gets down to the point I'm laying there on my dying bed, I got mauled, I'm bleeding to death, my, my carotid artery is severed, I'm bleeding to death. Can you make me smile those last <laughs> few laugh minutes, last man? Minute. Like, <laughs> hey, uh, you know what, man, uh, go have a Dr. Pepper with Jesus, man. I'm going to see you on the other side. You know, okay, man, and I'm gone. You just got to make me laugh. <laughs> Faith, integrity, and attitude. Just, uh, yeah. Because I think uh, there's a, a, good a quote that, right I, uh, <laughs> that I I like to live by. Um, it says, attitude determines altitude. I like that because I'm a hunter and a hiker, you yeah. know, so <laughs> play it in there. But, uh, dude, that, I spent a couple of years uh, for my church in South Korea. Yeah. And 
telling you what, that was not an easy time. I had every day you had to motivate yourself. Nobody was going to motivate you. Yeah. And that quote just really rung home to me yes. over those two years. And I've tried to emulate that since then in my life. And, you know, it, I'm not perfect. It's hard yeah. sometimes. But for sure, I think an, a good someone with a good attitude can make the worst experience, I guess, not, maybe not enjoyable, but endurable. Yeah, durable. Yeah. 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 yeah, endurable. Yeah, there's yeah, a big absolutely. difference between enjoyable and durable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like what you were saying uh, about helping your your hunting partner, wanting to have, help them succeed more than yourself. Yeah, we uh, we just got back from our Colorado hunt last November. We all went and uh, ended up harvesting three mule deer in three days. Wow, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. An area we've never hunted before, knew nothing about it, just what research we could do online, and. I can honestly say that with the guys we had there, we had integrity, we had the attitude, and what was our other one? Faith. <laughs> our Number faith. one is faith. Yeah, we all had We did have faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's one reason why it took three days to harvest three deer, one deer a day, because we were all trying to help the other people succeed. We all helped each other get to it. It was time. a blast. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Sean and I, uh, first time I ever went to Kansas was in 2000. His father-in-law owns a farm in Kansas. Uh, life is good, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, his father-in-law owns sections of land. It's family land, and we go hunt there. And, um, we got down to the wire. We went during the rut in 2000, and uh, I just, I'll never forget this night, man. It was on uh, November the 9th, 2000. My first trip there passed a lot of bucks, but I killed my biggest whitetail at that time. And I shot him, and he went right down a tree stand I'd hung. And uh, he was in a scrape, peeing at eight yards, man. I just shot him with a big 13-pointer, or 12-pointer. Big old nice buck, man. And I was pumped and got him. Got him up on the back of this four-wheeler and took him back to the farm. Sitting around, got to drinking beers. You know, I have a few beers, you know, uh, with Uncle Joe and Kevin Fair. And we're talking, and Sean comes in the dark. And he looks at him, man, that's great buck, man. Great buck. That's good, man. How many points that thing got? Golly. Let's go get mine. You, what? He goes, I just shot a buck. I was like, are you serious? He goes, it was dark. I said, man, when did you shoot him? He said, like five minutes ago. I said, how'd you see him? I looked down my arrow, man. I said, you got him? <laughs> got him. Holy moly. I go down there. Coyotes had already found that sucker, man. and started eating on the oh, hand, but no. he killed a Pope and Young eight. And I killed my biggest 12-pointer, and we shot him, and we got a picture together of those two bucks in the barn. And uh, he's standing right here, and that's a pretty rare opportunity to have him at this show. So I want to tell that story, but I wouldn't I couldn't have, wouldn't have wanted, not even with my son, would anybody have appreciated sharing that moment because me and him started bow in 1982 together. And, and how old were you in 1982? I wasn't even born. See? That's what I, <laughs> 1982, I even thought. we started bow hunting together, bought our first bows, did it together, but then to go kill two PNY bucks together in one night and just yeah. that was just special, man. You know, it was awesome. And, and I wouldn't want to share that with anybody. I wouldn't want to share that with any other human being. Nobody than him. And and, and when That's I killed awesome. my biggest mule deer and I did, I shared it with Jeremy Duggar. And when Jeremy Duggar killed his biggest mule deer, I was standing next to him. It's amazing. You know, just I'm a solo guy, but if I'm gonna go with a buddy, I like to go epic, I guess. Man, Makes I like it even that much more memorable, big, right? Yeah. yeah. So That's right. awesome. What else you got, man? Definitely. So I guess kind of along with that, in your eyes, 
what makes a hunt successful. What makes a hunt successful? What makes it successful? There's a lot of differing opinions Aptitude, out there. <laughs> keeping the right attitude and the right keeping everything in perspective during the hunt, ups and downs, lows and highs. I spent I went to Colorado this year. Uh, bow hunting elk in my honey hole where I just knew I'd get one. Mm-hmm. Passed a bull the first day, passed a bull the second day. And I'm not trophy hunting elk at all. I'm, eat, I'm hunting meat. But it was a 4x4 four four bull, a 5x5 five five bull, some cows. Spent 15 days. And on the 15th day, I hunted till about 10 that morning. I just remember, man, I just I hunted my recurve the last day. I was like, I haven't gotten one this you far, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to hunt my way out of here. And I just started walking out that morning at daylight and I just stopped in places I'd never stopped before, sat down and called in places, smelled. I'd stop and smell the roses. I, I, I truly just stopped and smelled the roses, took some pictures of some things, walked along there, and I had the biggest smile on my face because I knew that uh, I was going to be unsuccessful and it was painful, especially after 15 days, right. knowing oh, I'm going to get one no You're matter exhausted. what. I was tired, <laughs> and I was ready to see my wife. I was ready to see my dogs. I knew old Boone Diggity was back home waiting on me. That's the love of my life right now. Is that little dog I got? Yep, take yep. Oh, I, I miss him right now, man. Got a tear in my eye for Boone. I love that dog. and I missed him. And I was like, man, I just want to go home. And I had a good time. And so if you're if, – if not – I said in seminars five years ago, if I don't have a punch tag, I didn't have a good hunt because I was hardcore and I was younger then. Mm-hmm. I'm still hardcore, but I've grown as a man, as a human being. has changed a little bit. And uh, – I'm hunting with people a lot older than me these days. Tommy, Larry, Tommy Stowe, Alex back in deer camp. And just sitting around watching this next, the older generation, watching what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. I've had it wrong for a while. It's truly, it truly is stopping and smelling the roses because you're going to have your heyday. You're mm-hmm. going to get your big bucks. You're going to get your name on the wall. You're going to have your time in the sun. But it's learning how to enjoy it when you, when you truly mature is learning how to feel success even when you don't punch tags. It's that's the right. best line I can give you right there. I like that yeah. a lot. How, I, how do you feel about social media pressuring people into defining what their hunt, like defining their success? Because we talked about it a little bit. I would love to bash social media. I would love to, but I would be the biggest hypocrite. Oh, we love it. On the well, face we planet. love it, but I'm just saying from a point like yeah. like this year, I, I wanted to kill a big general season mule deer. I mean, I had that's what I wanted to do. I mean, for the whole year leading up to that, that's what I wanted. And then things didn't go right. Four-wheeler transmission didn't work out, so I had to go to, like, plan D, plan E, hunt an area where I was just like, okay, I just want to punch my tag, fill the freezer with meat, shot a little, you know, two-by-three, like a 22-inch two-by-three. And to me, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to post a picture of this deer. Yeah. Because everyone else is posting pictures of huge monster muleys, and here I am just, hey, here's my deer. But then it's like, no, that I should not let other people's like you definition determine if i had a successful hunt or not you know what i mean that's where I've been i feel a little bit i've had i've killed deer i didn't even take pictures of that's shameful uh if you feel that way about it then you shouldn't have shot him yeah. just don't shoot it if you don't mm-hmm. feel that good about it if you don't feel if you can't feel good about it don't do it i post all my bucks man yeah and i don't i've got i don't have a 200 incher i've got I've got some 180s. I got a couple 180s with a bow. My biggest is a 192 with a gun. Uh, my favorite buck I ever killed in my entire life doesn't score anything. It's a four by three. I killed two, three years ago in the Wasatch North up here. It was 15 days of busting it, killing myself, and I did a live hunt every day. I've updated every day on the news feed that when I killed that lucky seven buck, that's my favorite mm-hmm. buck, man. I've just decided that's my 
that thing means so much. I watched two different guys miss him. Yeah. And then uh, they missed him, and I just I just love him, right? And I posted the piss out of that thing, man. I, it's <laughs> my buck, and I love him. Just to be real, just tell it like it is and go shoot shoot what you shoot. Be proud of it. Because killing an animal and, and the is people hard to that, do. And to the people that matter, it don't matter. Yeah. To the people that yeah, don't exactly. matter. I like that. Why do you care, man? I don't. I'm not doing. I am sharing. I use social media to share my experience. I am not looking for your approval. If I was looking for your approval, I'd have 20,000. I might have 400,000 followers today if I was looking for your approval because I'd go post everything that'd make you follow me. Yeah. I'd post stuff and I would tag and hashtag this, that, and the other. And I would give away stuff and do contests and I'd go buy your love if I wanted to. I got 7,000 followers. I don't care if I got seven followers, but I have 7,000 genuine relationships with people that I will interact. I will answer every post. I will answer every, if you hit me up privately, I'll talk to you. If you ask me a question, I'd rather have 7,000 followers that I have a connection with than 700,000 followers for the numbers so that someone will give me a free bow. I don't care about that crap. Yeah. I'll go buy me a bow if I want. So I'm not looking for your approval on my So When you see me on Facebook or if you see me on Instagram, Feel good about watching or reading what I'm saying because I'm giving you a raw moment out of my time to say, you know what, this feels good right now. Last Saturday I went hog hunting down the bottoms. I had to go collect the stand and stuff. And I'm just walking along. I just stopped, took a, I just stopped and peed. And I was peeing. And that's the truth. And I went, it's such a beautiful day out here, man. And I, don't, <laughs> it's already, I don't think I'm going to kill one. But, man, I love this place. I just want to talk about this place. How can I share my love for this place on social media? Because I'm bored, I'm by myself, the hogs aren't moving, it's 25 degrees, I'm just walking around my phone. So I just went to Instagram Storyline. Right. I think I'd have just done live feed, but I just went to Storyline and I said, hey, this is what I'm doing today. I've gotten so much feedback here, please do more of that. When you're in your stand, talk about it. When the hogs are coming, can you just show us some hogs? We want to we want to see the hogs in the natural environment, mm-hmm. on the feeder or not. We just want to see them, you know. I'm like, sure, man, I'll, I'll do it. But I'm normally in hunting mode, so I'm not thinking that way. I'm not looking for your approval. I'm showing you what I'm doing. Go kill your forked horns and your three points and your three by twos. And if you kill it and you put it in your freezer and you're proud of it, the mature people that follow you that, that truly matter are going to get what your your message is. And the hater's going to hate, brother. The hater mm-hmm. hater going to hate. And he's he's going <laughs> to go, ah, there. Whew. Man, there's something for me to feel like I can pick on him about or whatever. Do you like – just – it's easy to go up there and hit that block button. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I hit that block button a lot. If I get a crappy comment that hurts my feelings, I don't say anything. I just block you, and you'll never say it on my page again. Yeah. I don't, this is my page. I'll, I'll never go to a page and say something. Now I think it. I'll look at some stuff and go, oh, you dirty sucker. Yeah. Man, that is so hateful. Why did you say that? It is so hard. You had no reason to say that about me or about my friend that I care about. I'm, I'm, you know, there's some, there's some high-end people in this building that I'm close to that I care about that's reached the top of pinnacle of hunting in this industry. And I see the people saying ugly things about them. I'm like, that's not even what he was trying to say. You just, you just found that. You just, you just found a reason to go be ugly, and you shouldn't have. If you could turn that energy into something positive, you'd get so much further ahead if you would. So much further. They but just, anyway. They just don't see that it only makes them look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's negativity anywhere and everywhere you turn in this world. Yeah. And if you, I mean, nine times out of ten, if you choose not to react to it, you're going to forget about it, and you're going to be the better person. Yeah. Once no, in a while, you, you slip up, you say something back, and then I always re- regret <laughs> arguing back with hey, those people. Hey, you never people. feel good about 
a stoop to their level. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Replying to that. level, man. Hey, celebrate each other. Share each other's stuff. Build each sure. other up. Uh, it takes a heck of a guy to share another guy's post. It really, truly does. And, and, and I, I got to do a better job of it. I share stuff. But it, it takes it. You, you watch who shares. Watch successful people sharing other successful people's stuff. And it just says a lot about who they are. You've got to share each other's experiences and stuff. Yeah. And so if if you got a if you got if you go down and you got a Hoyt deal and you became factory pro staff for Hoyt today, man, you're gonna have unfortunately ten thousand people just hating you for it. But you're gonna have ten people that really admire you for it, right? Those people that admire you for it, it's just that's something to behold. That's something you truly accomplished. Share this, my friend. I can't believe it. My friend McCade Cox, he reached the top, man. He got him a white bow. He's on the top of his game. He's doing his thing, man. And and share that. I'm not. I'm not sitting here trying to say, man. I'm a heck of a guy because I do that. Yeah. I'm telling you, when I watch people celebrate other people's stuff, I secretly watch their blessings. There's scripture about that. What you do in private, I will lift you up in public. You know, that's what God says. I don't remember the verse or how to even say it. But what He's saying is. Here's another one. There was a big trend last year. Buy cops a meal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's all go to the restaurant and let's look for a cop and go buy his family a meal. It grates me to the end of the earth to see someone post that they did that. Oh, I bought a cop a meal today. No, 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 no. Just go do it. Right. Just go do it. Don't tell everybody. It. Don't do it. Don't. Hey, go buy their meal. And if the right circumstance if the right reason to share that come along, do it. But 90% of the people are sitting there looking for the opportunity so I can go show the world how good of a person I am. And they're going to go, oh, there's a cop. You're better off not even doing it, man. Go buy the man his meal. Buy him and his partner a meal. Do that in private. The Lord will definitely lift you up in public later. He will He will bring it back to you somehow, some way. You have to believe that. And so I see that with posts all the time. People intentionally left that day and went and looked for a reason to go be the hero of the day <laughs> on social media. Uh, that's cool, man. And you want to share that kind of stuff. But I think you got to have a little bit of integrity, hashtag integrity, mm-hmm. of how how you're going to present that. Otherwise, you're just going to look like a, you know. That's that's something that's hard to share it, and come across with the right context. Yeah. yeah. It is. Am yeah, I it wrong? definitely has to be Because you can tell right. me I'm wrong. No, Am I no, wrong I, for saying be careful about that? No. Because it's off-putting to see somebody go hunt down a reason to be a hero. A true I hero, know. a truly humble person doesn't know he's humble, right? He just exactly. doesn't know he's just humble. Well, he's you just, might as well just kind of wake up in the morning, you know, like teenage girls do, and make themselves look all pretty, and then, oh, I just rolled out of bed. They're looking for a reason to <laughs> post a picture of themselves. Hit me with some duck lips. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, man, I don't want to sit here and be the holier than now, and I'm not the old guy. The old, but, uh, I love social media, and for a lot of guys, you know, my age laugh at me. You go, man, you... you you post anything, everything. I I started off a little rough, the working out stuff. I didn't have the physique, but I shared my whole experience. When I was way overweight and had I was 40 pounds heavier three years ago, and I took my shirt off and showed my belly. That's the best way I know how to for you to keep me accountable. Oh, yeah. And I showed it. Oh, my gosh, did I get lambasted? I couldn't <laughs> believe you showed that. I like My wife hated it. Oh, my gosh, that is so private. Now, today, she looks back and goes, it just worked out for you, man. But I got mountain hops behind me, and I, I did it, and I used their product, and it worked out. And 
and it made my outdoor experience better. And I've had so many followers go, golly, that took a lot of courage, but thank you for doing it. And it's inspired me to do better. And that's really what you want to do is inspire people to do. And I use it to to that advantage. So people my age or older are going, man, I, sometimes you can overshare and you certainly Mm -hmm. can. And some days you got to get creative, but I've kind of tried to find a way just to You'll see there's some days I post one post and I might skip three days and I might put seven in one day. I'm just feeling like I want to share this and, and I share it. But I look at it and go, how is this going to help somebody else? Is this a positive message? Does it have integrity? Is it ethical? Is this the right thing for me to post? And I have posted things that were deleted five minutes later because I didn't feel good about it. And everybody, I think, does that. Yeah. So. But as far as social media, I love it. I think it's I think it's a wonder. I think it's a wonderful thing to have. It's a great tool. Yeah, and I think the Lord can do a lot of work through it. But the devil do champions on it. Uh, yeah. The devil champions <laughs> through social media daily by the second, you know, and oh, yeah. you oh, yeah. just got to keep yourself in check more than anything. More than anything, man, keep yourself in check. And yeah. uh, and don't 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 be so quick to anger if someone calls you out because they're probably right and that's probably what made you mad, not that they're saying it that that they said it, yeah. that they're right. It is a good self-check. It is it a is. self-check. And if you can <clears throat> look at that and move on and feel good about yourself the way you were doing it, yeah. great. So be you, it, man. You, you checked yourself, but uh, sometimes it's a great learning opportunity. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Mark, we don't want to take any more of your time, but we do appreciate the time you've given I'm, us. I'm fixing to get sized up. Tanner Howard right there with his <laughs> TH Leatherwork, Leathercraft. He's fixing to size me up and get me some Stockasins. Oh. So uh, if you don't know anything that's about cool. that, that's pretty cool. That's going to replace the uh, that's going to replace the old wool socks. Wool socks. Those are awesome. So, yeah, look at these bad boys. You know, you guys know a guy named Kip Fowler? Yep. Yes. Yes, sir. I think a lot of people have yeah. heard of that name. He <laughs> killed his big buck wearing Stockasins this year, and I was like, oh yep, goodness. I'm going to have to check those out. So that's neat. That's better than carrying wool socks around in the woods if you want to check those out. I don't know, man. Justin Finch is probably not going to let go of his. And uh, his wool socks? <laughs> his yeah. wool socks. And uh, those are those are cactus proof for your wool socks or not. Oh. He's got oh, video of himself proof? walking around. Yeah, Freak on the bottom. That. You can step that's on. awesome. So in Arizona, that late hunt. Havelina hunting, you got to have those bad boys. Yeah. Wasatch, put those on with your wool socks, with your underlayer. Take your pants off so they don't bristle when you walk. You, the mule deer are never going to see it coming, man. That's neat. So, those yeah, he's been nice. waiting here for a long time to size me up. And if you want to cut this commercial out, you can. <laughs> no, he's just gonna, fine. No, we're going to do it up. up. And I'm excited about well, it. Well, thank so. you so much for your time. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, man, keep doing it. Keep doing it for the right reasons. I think you'll go far with it. And I'm honored that you... Of course, time with me. Uh, you know, just following you on social media, I had to meet you a couple of years ago. I sat in your seminars. Uh, I know you're a genuine guy. You've given me nobody. You know, the time of day, you have a genuine interest in what I have to say and what I think and uh, sharing your passions with me, and I just appreciate everything, Mark. Well, you're a huge inspiration. And you're just a human being. You're my brother on this planet. You're my brother in Christ, so... I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, yeah always. Yeah. Always. You guys are awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, you are Thank good you, looking Mark. dudes, too, man. I always <laughs> like sitting out here in public with these good looking people because it makes me look a little bit better. I think. It makes me look old, but it makes me look better. So, you got, some, got some good friends. You know, yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, thanks, guys. Right. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks, Mark. Again.